Hey everybody, Hatton here. After this episode's over, don't go away, because the new chapter of Stories to Amaze starts right after we're done. Okay, here we go. Hey everybody, it is Podcast Rob, James Hatton, and we are here for yet another Something in Review. I don't, yeah, it's the movie noise, I guess. Um, Yes, Something in Review, where we take a movie uh, franchise, or I ruined that bit already, a movie, a thing, a show that we are enjoying, and we talk about it, uh, but Rob, you had a wonderful idea to start this episode off, you might notice that this is a strange one as it's sort of an old movie that we haven't we haven't really jumped back into old horror before. So please, why don't you explain what we're doing? Well, we uh, I had a discussion with James and we wanted That's to uh, we wanted to start with a movie that was part of a franchise. So we uh, we went through a couple of movies that had uh, some decent numbers to them not just like one and a sequel uh that we hadn't really touched about before and we have been uh, i'll say lacking in our review of horror movies as of late uh so yeah so we found children of the corn and then unfortunately discovered that there's like 11 teen of these <laughs> yeah but uh but we're well, you know, it's not going to be an every month thing, uh, but we this is something that we will come back and revisit. So this will be uh, an ongoing saga, as it were. Yes. Well, uh, I it's cromulent uh, because I've been watching a lot of Shutter. We got the, yes. the Shutter Network, and mm-hmm. me and my lady at least twice a week are throwing on some like oddball horror movie that we either heard was good or looked good or sounded horrible or looks like it's gross or has good reviews like we've we've watched a bevy of horror in the last uh in the last month since yeah, yeah. <clears throat> since lockdown began so this is this is perfect time to jump back to something sort of old school and classic that i admittedly we do a whole month of horror around our house in october and i don't think we've ever or I wasn't paying attention at the time. Uh, I don't think I ever watched Children of the Corn. Like I don't think I've ever. seen I had it. watched it a couple months ago, and then I just recently rewatched it again this morning. And Ooh, we'll get there. Yeah, I. I've, this is the first horror I've watched in a while. I watched some Shutter about a month ago. Uh, mostly, I've been banging through some Netflix stuff. Uh, I did recently watch in two days. I watched every episode of uh, the big. Oh, it's a big flower contest, big flower show. Is this like a reality show about flower? Big flower fight. Yes, it's it's it's. <laughs> I was a guess. Florists and botany ar- uh, arrangers and stuff from uh, around England and the United States uh, and Scotland and Europe and stuff like that. And uh, it's like an eight episode or ten episode thing of 
you know, hey, here's a seven foot tall wire frame. Make it into a sea creature kind of thing. Okay. Um, that sounds better than I was expecting. Like, uh, So Joe is saying my volume needs to get turned up. Let me see what I can do about that. And also, I will check on my side because it might be me. Because what happens is, is that I have two different audio settings. Yes. Um, one for... Actually, it's... it's you're fine. Don't change yours. Okay. Well, I just did a little bit, so. Okay. Um, hello, Joe Griff in the chat. Uh, so much like Great British Bake Off, for somebody who is not a baker slash cook, I mean, I consider myself a decorator. I do not bake cakes. I take it right out of the box and make them. Mm-hmm. Um, after you watch four or five episodes of Great British Bake Off, you're just like, really? <laughs> Rough puff pastry? Not full pastry? What are they thinking? <laughs> yeah. Literally three episodes into Big Flower Fight, you're going, huh, Coriopsis, bold. <laughs> like, just no fucking clue whatsoever. But all of a sudden, you're you're a fucking flower person watching this show. Uh, Don't you feel that's, quaint? That's such a spring. It was, it was fun, and it was... Uh, it's good family stuff. I can see uh, you and yours uh, watching through it. Um, if you get through the first episode... You'll go through the whole season. Uh, I will say that there are some, uh, I, shall we say, typecasts. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, and yeah, okay. Let, it, let I will also say that the entire gamut of British teeth are on display in this TV show. All chainsaw wielding, a lot of them. I mean. Damn. Yeah, I've been, I mentioned before, uh, I've been brain dumping the entire WBTV catalog. I finally made it to last year. So it's been, um, they do a lot of crossovers. So like Supergirl crossover with Arrow and then the next year Arrow crossover with Legends Tomorrow. And then, so I'll go and I'll do Arrow until the crossover. Oh, okay. The, the next thing, a crossover with is Supergirl. Now I'll go from Supergirl where I left off, jump to the crossover. Okay, now I'll watch the crossover. Oh, the next thing they do is, is the Flash. Okay, let me get back to the Flash and I'll bring up to the crossover. Um, and that's worked because there's 36 shows. <laughs> yeah. They're enjoyable. They're each a little different. Some of them have better seasons than others. Um, I haven't really done Legends Tomorrow, which I heard is the most fun after season two. And that's the reason I haven't, because season one was boring me to tears. Even though I had Victor Garber, whom I'm a huge fan of, and uh, Wentworth, what's his face, who I also think is very, very fun. Wentworth Miller? Yeah. I've become a huge Wentworth Miller fan in the last three months. He, I couldn't figure out whether he's a campy actor, just playing the way he plays, or whether he's a brilliant actor, like actively portraying camp and... I've come to believe it's the latter. I actually think he's a much better actor than I was giving him credit for at the start. Okay. Uh, he has a couple episodes where he has such such a strange sort of delivery. He talks almost like Shatner, but with these weird trellos and like long okay. S's. And it's so very meticulous. It's very funny. Anyway. Yeah, I couldn't get through. Uh, I couldn't get through the half of the first episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and I've I've watched because it was easy because I had known all the characters who crossed into it because they're all like characters from other CW shows. So I'm hoping. Oh, and then Rory shows up in it. Um, I'm hoping well, he was in the first episode. Yeah, he's he's regular cast for at least a season. 
Yeah. My hope is that I'll, when I jump to season two, it's sort of gooder, even though I like a bunch of the characters. Anyway, okay. none of that has to do with uh, children that. in a yeah, fucking cornfield. Takes place in a cornfield in Nebraska. So I didn't get to do a ton of research. Okay. Did you um, watch it today? Yes, yes, I did watch it. It was okay. watched. I'm not basing solely off of Wiki. But I was trying to figure out why it's Stephen King's Children of the Corn. And lo and behold, um, Stephen King wrote a script based on his own short story. Traditionally, Correct. Stephen King's short stories that are turned to movies got about a 50-50 rating as to whether they're anything like the book. Either they're Shawshank Redemption, which means they're exactly the same, or Apt Pupil, um, even Stand By Me, or they're The Running Man, which is not the same, or like The Langoliers. Or From Beyond. Yeah. Uh, And so apparently King didn't like this one. Uh, This was one of the first ones, 1984. I mean... Carrie came out in 82. So this has got to be maybe the second Stephen King thing brought to film. Maybe third after Cujo. Um, this one, I'm surprised it has 60 billion 10 movies. It's a bit slow. Hmm. Well, they, he, there were competing screenplays going on. There was one okay. from him and there was one from uh, George Goldsmith. Uh, which made it more of a uh, slasher-ish kind of movie. Uh, And when push came to shove, the production company decided to go with Gatlings. uh, Yeah. With Goldsmiths. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gatling was the name of the town. The town. Uh, But yeah, apparently it was... uh, I thought it was funny when I read that the rights were originally optioned by Hal Roach Studios. Uh, and that's where King uh, wrote the script for. Yes. Uh, but the Roach executives didn't want to use King's script, and they hired Goldsmith to rewrite it. Now that's, I mean, you can tell that this is early in King's career. Yes. Who the fuck takes a script that Stephen King wrote based on his own story, and they're like, yeah, we're going to get somebody else. Right. Look, we, we get it. You wrote the story. You write very scary stories, sir. That's very nice. I like don't know about the dog. Can we just... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that said, when King writes his own scripts, they're not great. that great either. I believe Sleepwalkers was all his. And I know you have a sweet spot for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, but not, I, but I also never uh, read Dreamscape. the story. So. Dream... Watching that movie and enjoying it is different than watching that movie and saying, hey, this is a great adaptation of the story. Fair enough. Uh, which one? Is it Dreamscapes? I doubt it. Which one? Oh, Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. That's the one. Yeah. Another one. I love the movie. Never read the book. But like trucks. Horrible. <laughs> to, to maximum override. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> but that's such a from beyond. I like that movie, though. Horrible. Although that's not. I've never that's not seen from King, though. That's Lovecraft. Oh, OK. Um, and then I do know that, like, I, I saw his, he did his own remake of The Shining, because there's such that infamous, he doesn't like um, the, what's-his-face version? Kubrick. Right. He didn't like the Kubrick movie version, so he made his own, that was like ABC movie of the week starring the guy from Wings. Yep. Um, and that was not so good. 
apparently he's backtracked a bit and said, no, I understand what Kubrick's going for. And it's very scary for what it is. It's just not what I was doing, which is a fair thing, I guess. Um, this one though. So children of the corn, <laughs> let's, I see how we keep trailing off into other directions and there's a reason. <laughs> it's just very slow. It's very 1984. Uh, like it really, really feels its age. And it may be because I've watched such like interestingly odd cinema horror over the last few weeks, but I've also watched some real old school body horror and, and graphic horror castle freak and um, society. And this movie just, it feels very cookie cutter. It feels very like the opening sequence is, I think the best part of the movie because that tension is right there when uh, they're at the diner and you see the sort of look of the eyes between Malachi and the kid outside. I think it's, uh, was it what's his face outside as well? Isaac. Um, Isaac. Isaac outside. And then the, the waitress behind the counter sort of reaches underneath and grabs something to dip in the coffee. Like there's so much tension in it that when the explosion happens, they're like, oh my God, that's cool. I wish that went through the rest of the film. It is, it's funny because sometimes I watch these older movies and knowing how Hollywood is and thinking about how there's no original stories anymore and eventually everything comes up for some sort of remake or reboot or re-sequel or whatever. I don't feel, and I mean, they did redo this movie in like 2008 or 2009, um, I haven't seen it, but just watching this original movie from 84, they would have to change things to do it now. Sure. Because the minute grandma starts choking on her coffee, mm -hmm. uh, it's nothing but cell phones and Instagram stories and, and Twitter posts and... You know what I mean? Let's watch Grandma die. Yeah, yeah but no, like when, when they hit the kid with the with the car out in the middle of the road and the guy's just like, hey, if I just wrap this body up in this tarp I conveniently have in the trunk of my car, nobody's ever going to know. No, right now, it's like before he even gets out of the car, it's, oh my God, 911, I think I just hit somebody. It's, 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 it, it was based around the isolation of that town. So unless they find a town in Nebraska that just has zero cell service you know, a lot of these stories and movies from that kind of time period change. They have to change in some way. Um, just to be jumped, I looked at the Stephen King movies. Right. Uh, we have Carrie, 1976, The Shining, 1980, uh, Creepshow, which doesn't really count, 1982. Then in 83, like, they jumped on that, on that big King book. Cujo, Dead Zone, Christine, 1983. Um, and then 1984, he had Children of the Corn and Firestarter. Okay. So he had one, two, three, four. He had like five movies already. This is like movie five or six. It did. And, and again, I never, I didn't read the story, Children of the Corn. So uh, no, I like I. some Stephen King stuff, but I'm, I'm not very deep and versed in a lot of his stuff. So I will mm -hmm. maybe ask you this question as opposed to just throwing it out there. Sure. Um, and I've read my share, so. It feels formulaic to Stephen King. Almost like it's a, it's a, it's a Dan Brown horror because mm -hmm. it feels very similar to 
it it feels very similar to some of his other movies where it starts mm-hmm. hey there's people whether they're adults or or other members of society that believe this thing and there's other people whether they're adults or kids or different members of society that look at them and go hey they're fucking crazy and you mm-hmm. start to think it's just a whole imagination belief thing until you see the giant spider in the sewer or you see yeah. the actual mound of dirt come you know rushing towards the kids in the corner like holy fuck it's not just a crazy kid it's it feels like there's a lot of Stephen King stories to movies that follow that path. Would that no, be incorrect? Right. You are 100% right. This movie definitely has some of the Stephen King tropes. Okay. Um, half of the, the subplot that we get about uh, Vicky and Bert, he's a physician and they're driving across the country and they're, you know, their marriage and da-da-da-da-da. Um, that's very Stephen King. Stephen King is great at building these handful of depthful characters that you know super, super well so that you have some emotional attachment to them when all the bad shit happens to them. Um, the bad shit is always sort of amorphously evil. And at the end, there is always some sort of uh, hand of fate, hand of God, fireball out of nowhere, divine intervention. There, there's something like that. Right. That proves that there is a higher power issue that is real, that this wasn't just a bunch of crazy kids who killed their parents. Nope, nope, nope. There's actually a demon, a god, an alien, or whatever. Um, ta-da. So, no, this movie is probably, having not read the short story, uh, this is probably one of the first movie instances of the classic King trope. Because it is. You're 100% right that there is a there's a Stephen King Mad Lib, and you could plug in, uh, you know, name of weird place, cornfield, name of odd villain, you know, drunk car salesman. In this case, it would be children, but there's a different one that's drunk car salesman. Um, you know, who am I supposed to root for? Probably the mom or the Vicky. Yeah, I did. My favorite laugh of the movie. End sequence. The fight between Bert and Malachi. I cackled. I don't know why it tickled my funny bone so much, but watching Bert deck that like 16-year-old redhead howled. I don't know why I thought it was so funny. I think it's just the idea of an old like a 40 30-year-old man like having a fisticuffs with a 16 year old while a bunch of eight year olds watch on. I thought was the funniest shit ever. If I found it. I found it amusing because the character is quote unquote fighting for his life at this point. Yes. But you could tell that this was the actual two actors and the guys like, this is still a 15 or 16 year old kid. So, you know, he swings at me with a knife. Him and his, you know, 11, eight-year-old friends want to kill me and cut me into tiny pieces. I'm going to knee him in the chest and push him to the ground. It was just like, right. like the fighting style. Like, dude, okay, somebody swings a knife at me. Yeah, I get a hold of that knife. Sorry, you're done. It's It, it mm-hmm. was just very, very funny, uh, a lot of the combat going on. <laughs> It's it's that classic internet trope. What do you would you want to face one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? Yeah. 
I just got a hundred duck-sized horses running around you. Yeah, it was all the while, all the while. Um, Linda Hamilton, like you can't, you like these kids are doing a good shank knot to crucify you. Come on, you could, you could struggle. You, you could. <laughs> you beat the same goddamn Terminator like four times throughout <laughs> history, right? <sighs> It was uh, one of the one of the great quotes here that I was reading. It was uh, it was a review from Roger Ebert, okay, who said the only thing moving behind the rows is the audience running to the exits. Oof. Woof. Yeah, he basically crapped all over it. Uh, I mean, Vincent Canby of the New York Times said. As such movies go, Children of the Corn is fairly entertaining if you can stomach if you can stomach the gore and the sound of child actors trying to talk in something that might be called farm belt biblical. They're coming to ye horde fighter. It's I mean, um, when I read that statement, I was reading these as I was watching them, and he's got a point because there are almost no contractions said by any of the kids until okay. like until Malachi is trying to get them all to, to go after Bert. Then like one or two of them slip in there, but there's, you know, it's never can't it's cannot. It's never don't it's do not. It's very, very mm-hmm. emphatic and very overly pronounced, uh, pronounced uh, kind of, yeah, like D- disobedience to me is disobedience to him. Yeah, do it now. Yeah, so I pulled up some quotes just to to verify and validate your point. Um, he who walks behind the rose also not a good deific name. Not, not anything I really. Did you get a feeling as to how the kids were infected with the demon? Uh, Maybe I phased out at that point. Like, I missed something. I didn't get a sense that they were infected. But, like, they, how did the... How did the, the... He who walks amongst the library hallways... Like, how did he get to them? Um, I always took it that... I don't know if I would have taken it that Malachi was possessed... But uh, mm-hmm. not Malachi, uh, Isaac, Isaac, but that, I mean, look at, let's take this in a different route. Uh, and, and Isaac's definitely the linchpin. Here. Let's tangent. <gasps> if we look at uh, devil's advocate, yes. he doesn't possess people to, to sure. go along with him. He twists their needs and their wants and he mm-hmm. persuades them and when you find somebody Touch, but don't taste you find somebody who is already persuasive to others and you bring them into your fold it makes it that much easier it becomes the shampoo commercial and, and so on and so on and so on so right uh if these kids were already for some reason way shape or form believing and trusting and following in Isaac, then once he who walks behind the rose gets Isaac on board, now he doesn't have to possess all the kids. He's just feeding Isaac the information. Sure. It was, and I think it was that connection with Isaac, like another Stephen Kingism, to be fair, is there is a gap that 
you rarely get to know, except when he explains it. And then when he explains it, you go, oh, I really wish I didn't know um, of how how a bill became a law. Like, how did Pennywise become an evil spider alien that lives upon this world? Right. Well, you want to know what? It's probably better if we don't know that we all live on the back of a fucking world turtle um, and that there's evil and good gods fighting amongst each other. Right. Fine. Um, the I think I might have in, I liked and maybe we'll see it in a future sequel. Some understanding of um, how runs with scissors gets into Isaac. Like how he gets to him, how that bit started other than just like i'm an evil kid who wears a big hat um true story when i saw it i was very confused because for years upon years just knowing this movie mimetically not actually having seen it i thought malachi was the the little kid with the bowl cut i didn't realize it was the the tall redhead took me good five ten minutes to be able to sort them out in my head yeah because i mean when you see creepy kid you know staring in from outside the the diner window uh and then you hear a name like malachi you're just like okay that's that odd creepy kid that's an odd creepy name so like <laughs> it's exactly it, it's just it association you just put them together uh i will uh, say Joe that Griffin the casting of malachi was was i think was pretty good you know uh i, I don't know if the write-up was find me a kid whose neck is as wide as his face <laughs> because like the kids like his he was if he was a cartoon he would have been drawn poorly right he had a very large Mick Jagger mouth on a very narrow face or he had an even larger Mick Jagger mouth on a standard sized face with a very wide neck but like there was it was it was head ears neck it, it was like oh, one Popeye. yeah it was he looked creepy uh, and it was Joe, it was uh, also impressive that they found you know uh, a four foot six forty two year old to play the part of Isaac because <laughs> you're not going to tell me that that kid was like twelve in that movie I'm sorry right but I will go look up his age in a second I just want to say Joe Griff said <clears throat> they're kids without parents they have no other leaders besides Isaac right. um, which is that makes sense it's not so much the kids I'm, I figured because correct they he had to convince them all to be in on the game though. And that's sort of the, well, he had to convince them all to kill their parents because there are no right. parents. So at some point he had to be pretty damn persuasive. And then after that, they're all just like, well, fuck, we listened to him this far. Right. Now we're starting. Now it's, um, you know, Lord of the flies. Right. Um, looking at the Courtney Gaines was the man who played Malachi. Yep. He has a huge filmography. I mean, huge being a bit of a stretch here, but from 1984 to 2019, he's been working on a lot of, he does a lot of horror movies. And no. John, really? I know. I think with the Watch exception of Linda Hamilton, most of the people in this movie who have done other uh -huh. things have gone on to do horror movies. Uh, yeah, just uh, John Franklin, who played Isaac, doesn't, he has like a half a page. Um, but he was it in Adam's family. Oh, cousin it. In the yes. Movies. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. That's very funny. Um, he does return, and I look forward to when we get to this one. I have to assume it's the sixth in the series, uh, Children of the Corn six six six, Isaac's return. I hope it's only the sixth. 
<laughs> it would be very sad if it was like the second they just ran out of names. Whew. Yeah. What do we call the next one? Victor Dominic Toretto is no. looking at that filmography going, hold my beer. We're going to make 700 too Fast and the Furious movies. Too Fast, Two Children. <laughs> fast and the Furious 700 horsepower. Stop. Um, and to answer Joe Griff, yes, we are planning on doing every single Eventually. one of the Children of the Corn over time. Yes, not, not, not one a month until they're done. Just no over the course of time. Uh, Yes, just by probably one every couple months, yeah. just to so it doesn't like sort of linger like we did with James Bond. Yeah, it took us we two look- years to do four segments of James Bond. So, um, when we were looking at franchise films, I was like, "Well, we could do Friday the Thirteenth, but we'd be doing it every month for fourteen months." Yeah. Uh, how? Yeah, this is pretty early in linda hamilton's career it's got maybe not super early but this is before beauty and the beast so it was before she was a real that was the thing that put her on the map that beauty i remember. and the beast the tv show really uh, the first terminator was, movie came out before that terminator all right so movies actually this came out the same year as the terminator yeah um, so let me see. Where's Beauty and the Beast? Beauty. I'm sorry. Beauty and the Beast was 1987. Yeah. I'm 100% wrong. Previous to that, she was a character act- actress. Uh, did some soap opera stuff like Hill Street Blues. A couple episodes there. A couple episodes of like King's Cross. You know, things like that. Okay. I am wrong. Terminator was her was her big moment. So then this movie probably got lucky in so much that like people are like, hey. Who's the hot badass? Well, she's not a hot badass in Terminator 1. She's just cute. It was until T2 that she, like, yes. reaches her final evolution. She becomes Linda Hamazard. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, for as much as this was a wonderful idea that we jump on a movie train of a franchise and a series, like, the gore in this wasn't... Like, I just, uh, I I was going to say when you mentioned the review that saying it was gory, it it really wasn't. It was all in that first 10 minutes. It was all of the, the, you know, locking the door to the, to the diner and slitting the throats. And like, so again, I, there's when things become silly and unnecessary, I start to laugh. Even if it's in a hard Mm -hmm. one, I don't care. Oh, that's what uh, you should. You're in a diner, okay? There's probably four sets of silverware on every table. There's countless hatchets and cleavers and cooking knives. But let's show a scene of three teenagers ganging up on one dude and forcing <laughs> him to turn on the meat slicer and then slowly <laughs> forcing his hand toward the unprotected meat slicer blade. Like, I think that's the kind of gore they were talking about. And, you know, the, the, okay. the slicing of grandma and grandpa's throat right there in the diner. Um, because I after that, that, with the exception of, you know, hitting that mannequin the with the car, uh, there wasn't <laughs> anything that was overly like, oh, God. Yeah. And that's actually the one I was going to mention. The kid in the middle of the road will not lie like startled me no they just so much as like oh my god i'm pretty sure they just, yeah pretty sure they just ran over a kid um and then looking at the wiki was it says something different than the way i interpreted it and so please correct pardon me dropping things 
Um, please correct me with the way you saw okay. it, because let me see. Let me find the line here. Uh, elsewhere, a young boy named Joseph tries to free Gatlin, but is attacked in the corn. He stumbles out into the road, but Bert accidentally runs him over with his car. That's not the way I saw that scene happen. And it might just be special effects versus reality. Like I, that kid wasn't stumbling. Like you said, it was it was a pretty pretty static shot of a well propped up action figure. Well, but in I, the think, of the road. I think I think there I think when they the write up is because we see him running through the cornfield with the record player, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then we see him get attacked by something and we see the blood splatter on the record player. And then the next thing right. we see is him standing in the road. So I think the viewer is supposed to believe that he got killed in the cornfield. And then yeah. we see him standing in the road. He wasn't just <laughs> walking out, you know, trying to cross the street. The, the stumbling out onto the road was probably because he had been brutally attacked and was trying to find help and, ended up on the road in front of oncoming Cadillac Coupe de Ville. And that makes more sense to the narrative in my head because my brain said he was propped up and put in the middle of the road. But that also doesn't make much sense. Why the fuck would they do that? That only draws attention to their little house of madness. Yeah, because so, that's also, but, even though they were talking back and forth in the car, I would have to assume that you would see that from a ways off. Okay. Uh, it was to me, it felt like, hey, we're talking and we're looking and we're talking and we're looking. And oh, my God, like it kind of jumped out in front of them. Uh, yeah, I guess that's just got to be the, the if you look at a lot of not just horror movies, but you see it in comedy, you see it in action where like they have that static shot yeah. or of the person walking into the middle of the road on their phone, not paying a boof bus. Yeah, exactly. This I'm was so just from used the, to that. This was that, just from the other side. Yeah, the theater of the mind that like we would have seen the kid who had his throat slit stumble still standing up straight and watching as the car hits him and not dodging in any way whatsoever makes much more sense. And then there's, and then there's other things that I just found silly, you know, Oh, we're, Please. we're not supposed to play games and we're not supposed to draw. Okay. Who made those rules? Isaac and Malachi. Okay. So why wasn't the first fucking thing Isaac and Malachi did was take all the board games and all the crayons and throw them into a goddamn bonfire. Mm. Like, if this is what you're not supposed to do because it will, you know, pull you away from the lure of my vocal power. Fine. Malachi, go through the houses, get every goddamn copy of Monopoly and burn. Truth be told, you should probably get every copy of Monopoly and burn them anyway. Like regardless of right. this being a horror movie about kids killing their parents and following some corn deity. But, uh, but that is because she has the gift of sight. She has the gift of sight. Okay, so she gets the crayons and the paper, but the board game is gone. <laughs> Two legs good, four legs bad. Some animals are created more equal yeah, than others. Exactly. Uh it didn't it didn't hold up well. I don't think there's anything about this movie that held up well from nineteen eighty four. Uh it's the acting was very uh uh yeah, the effects nasty. were clearly I mean the effects, the effects were probably uh, 1979 for this movie. Yeah, uh, it felt very kind of rotoscoped effects uh, onto the stuff. You know, the big demon face in the the mushroom cloud, because apparently there was a nuclear facility mere inches below the cornfield that once it was set on fire, these giant billowing mushroom clouds go off. <laughs> right. Uh, Nobody notices. 
And I don't quite understand um, when when Isaac is tied to the the corn cross, and he looks down, and there's that kind of gold and black glowy stuff. I, I, thank you for bringing it up. I don't understand what that was supposed to be. Is that supposed to be? Is that supposed to be the thing under the dirt suddenly like making itself known? I don't. I don't get it. So. The way I interpreted that, and that's what I was saying earlier about like the God shows itself. Right. That's 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 a such a Stephen King trope. Um, you know, the beam after they shoot the spider thing with the slingshot, like the beam of light that comes out of his head in the stand. It's the physical, literal hand of God that drops down from the sky. It's such a fucking Stephen King thing. Um, I have to believe that because they were killing Isaac, the man who runs through walls or whatever specifically is like no 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 he's my guy like there shall be none higher than isaac isaac is the king of uh king of our people so he was like all right well fuck them i'm gonna show them and he overtakes isaac because then next time you see isaac he's got he's he's demony he's got like you know the little gash in his head but he's grayed out and he's talking and <laughs> he's talking in his best you know uh tobin bell impression what are you doing um, so he's taken over Isaac. So I have to assume that was the possession um, of Isaac through what comic book fans will understand as Kirby dots. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the term. I did want to comment. You mentioned earlier about the, the gore effects and the special effects, which were probably of 1989, the blood color in this movie. And this is not the movie's fault. This is like mo- movies in the early nine, early eighties blood color in the early 80s like i don't know why they hadn't perfected it yet or whether they want it to really pop and they think popping red blood is is scarier than like a darker murkier blood but that blood is like fluorescent red. Oh, it was like fire engine red yeah yeah that that blood was the bloodiest of blood that was ragu blood <laughs> i think it's because if they did like and i don't know what they used to make the fake blood back in 1984 but if they did like the food coloring and the Cairo syrup kind of stuff that you, you know, that you mm-hmm. think of when you think of like the Hellraiser movies or stuff like that, where they've just got, you know, 55 right. gallon drums of this stuff. A viscous. Uh, yeah. I think if they were to splatter that on the record player, audience is going to go, meh, what's that? Maple syrup? Like, right. it, right. I think it was just the mentality of people at the time. Bright red you know, is eye-catching, especially against mm-hmm. the backdrop of just drab fucking corn for miles. Um, no, you're right. I've never been to Nebraska, but we have driven to the uh, Pennsylvania Renaissance Festival out in Lancaster. Uh, and the minute you make that right turn onto the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike, it is literally nothing but two and a half hours of corn on either side of the highway. So, you know, it is. I, it is, there are very few crayons in that box so throwing I'll a say, bright I red have, against it yeah i get it i have driven through nebraska oh um for nebraska and you get out of the airport and which is like a two three port that's the airport. name of it nebraska it was nebraska um their mascot is a bright yellow ninja named the husker ninja small old con i got to do many many years ago um, and you get out of the airport and I'm in the car with the 
you know, the voice actor guests. And I always feel very like put off when I'm in, when it's people I've never met before. Uh, and the guy who's driving, who I'm still friends with to this day, Nick, he's driving the car, take us to the convention and you turn off the road from the airport. You turn off the highway, which you weren't on for very long and you are in corn. Yep. And you look to your left and you look to your right. And I was like, how long is the trip? He goes, ah, about half hour. Can I, I, can I see the convention hall from here? This is very flat. Nope, not yet. A lot of corn, though. Okay. Still corn. Yeah, drive to Lancaster Still. from New Jersey. It's literally two Ooh. and a half hours of corn on either side of the highway. And it's just big, open, vast fields of amber waves of corn. Yes. He who, so he who, what about he you? He who walks behind the road has got to get his steps in. <laughs> His Fitbit's got like eight digits on it. Oh, last question before we ask the, before we go to chat room, sure. chat room. Uh, if you want to mention what your thoughts on children of the corn are, please do so. Uh, while I'm throwing out this last point, one question, I understand this is a small Nebraska town where everybody knows your name or everybody knows each other's names. They're all up in each other's business. Um, they're, they're middle class, blue collar farming Americana. How many cops are in that town and how did the kids stop them? I have to assume it's one Barney Fife motherfucker. I think it was because that's the blue man that's that was tied up there. It was the cop. (gasps) Yes. Officer Puffin stuff or whatever the fuck his name was. (laughs) I just my brain was like, how come there wasn't more than one? But then I guess it's because it's in the middle of goddamn Nebraska. Yeah, There is just one. Sheriff. Dude, that's a town with one cop. Hazard County had three cops sometimes. Most of the time it was just right. two for a county. This town of what, 12 people? Yeah, one cop. All right. Who? I think, and maybe it's just because we live in New Jersey and it's densely populated and etc. Who hires him? <laughs> what do you mean? Who hires the one cop? Who does his who is in, his intro video? The guy retiring, like it's handed down, like the oh, fucking Highlander. Uh, I think I think cop I think the cop in that town comes with extra hats. Uh, we you've been to the New York Renaissance Festival. You you've driven through Sloatsburg, where you go through that one yes. building that's got like nine signs outside of it. It's the post office, police station, firehouse, blockbuster video, and pizza parlor. It's it's one dude mm. with seven hats. So he probably right. was like, oh, I'm the mayor of this town and the cop. Oh. Also, also the garbage okay. man, the union leader, and also the union yeah, the garbage breaker. man in that place is probably pretty easy because once everybody brings their garbage out to the curb, it's all within like 10 feet. <laughs> I mean, that town was fucking small. Yeah. Yes, that's true. But that being said... So Chab- all, all of that, hey, we yes. have to get rid of our parents, like that had to be like military precision because you have to assume sure. when the first one bites it, everybody else in that town is hearing it. You know, there were only like what, and 11 I think that was- buildings, 11 buildings and one of them was a barn based on the Amityville Horror House, apparently. And well, you have to figure this was... Um, did 
was it right after church that I did I build that in my head? What? Um, that it that that's when they do it. Like that all they kill everybody. I think I built it in my head that this was right after church, like in the diner, and it was probably because the old woman sitting. Well, no, at the you're table. right because like, oh, because they got out of church. So that's when yeah, the whole town got out there. of church, uh, and the daughter and the mother didn't go because the daughter wasn't feeling good. And uh, that's right. Thank he you. I, that's why I was in my He head. went to church with dad instead of going to the meeting with Isaac because dad didn't like Isaac. So yeah, it was right after church that one day. And that makes, that's like the perfect time to do it. Cause that's when everybody's in the one. It's spot. funny. You know, they show that whole thing three years earlier and I never once until you mentioned it right now, put that together with that was the day they killed all of the adults. Like it wasn't just like, hey, we're gonna go through this in the diner kind of thing. But yeah, they 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 whacked every adult. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together in that. And that's not a town that has a has a large Jewish population, so you know pretty much they're all going there after church. That's most of them. Yeah, can you imagine? You know, the the two atheists in town probably could have saved that whole place. <laughs> exactly. So now let's jump over to chat. What do we got here? We have Joe Griff saying, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but the two times I watched it, it went really by fast. So the pacing was pretty good if memory serves. I think maybe because they, I don't know. It felt like there was a lot of like the dink, dink, dink creeping around scenes that felt lengthy for me, specifically when Bert's like hunting around the town. Um, I'll go, you know, I'm going to go find out what's going on. I think those scenes went on for, about 20 minutes while Linda Hamilton's just hanging out with Sarah. So draw me pictures, huh? Well, apparently cool. the original script uh, that, that Stephen King wrote, uh, one of the sites that I read said the first 34 pages were uh, Burton, Sarah Connor just arguing in the car. And then the first bit of action is talking. when they hit the kid. So can you imagine the first... That feels... 15 minutes of that movie, just them in the car, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That sounds tedious. But that also sounds very, that actually sounds fairly Kubricky in so much as like the beginning of the, the Shining is supposed to, you know, build that tension where you're just watching this itty bitty car drive further and further away from things. Like this is two people who are, you're watching like the, um, I, I don't think it was the, the failure of their relationship, but at the very least, the bubble in it. And then all of hit a mannequin in a. I could see it being an interesting thing if not super dry and then super annoying because it has nothing to do with the rest of the damn film. Yeah. All right. Yeah, some, sometimes movies you, that don't age well become it? like snapshots of their time period. I don't. I don't even necessarily think that this movie was that. I think it's a snapshot of its time period, if only because of the terrible special effects. But it doesn't sure. feel like it doesn't feel like this movie takes place in 1984. No, but to that, I mean, it's a it's a middle of nowhere town. Those towns tend to feel sort of weirdly timeless, anyway true you know it's not like you're gonna see any kids walking around you know li with their hair in flock of seagulls wearing their members only jacket 
So I think that might partially be by design. Like if somebody was saying, nope, this movie took place in 1974, you'd be like, oh, okay. I like, wouldn't even be like, uh, I just didn't know. I didn't look at the calendar. Yeah, I suppose you're right. So out there in something land, what did you think of Children of the Corn? We have a lot of these movies to go, so no spoilers. But what did you think of the original 1984 classic that apparently everybody's heard about yet nobody, like, everybody talks about how it's in the list but on their list of, like, the horror movies. But it's not really one that I think I would put on my list. What do you think? You can find us at somethingcast.com, uh, where you can find all the widgets to do dads and thingamabobs, uh, where you can reach us. You can join us every Tuesday during uh, the current state of affairs on twitch.tv slash something something cast like we are right now. And uh, we do not just our episodes, but we also do some uh, Jackbox games. We do some streaming. We just have ourselves a good old time. Subscribe yep. to that as well. Yeah, definitely. Rob? Give us a follow on the uh, on the Twitch. Uh, hit us up at the website. James covered it all. You know, he's he's been doing this for a while. This isn't his first rodeo. He's good at this. No, it is not. And I've gotten now I've gotten so good that I know just to mention the website and not try and list off Twitter at yeah, SDSD. No, absolutely. Just go to our website. We and could if you're use the in hits. our Twitch, it's right there on the bottom of the screen, somethingcast.com. And we even have our tweeters right there at Revoice, at STSTcast, at Podcast Rob. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on the Twitch, subscribe if you'd like, that would be awesome too. But uh, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're not part of the group, definitely check us out on Twitch so you can be part of the action. You hear us going to the chat room, getting comments from the people in there, getting their take on things. Be part of the action and the entertainment. Join us here at twitch.tv slash something something cast. Bum, 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 bum. And if you happen to be uh, listening to us through the ACPN network. Please welcome. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this uh, and tell us what you want to hear. We got a lot of different types of shows we do, and we are looking forward to meeting all of you folks along the way. Couldn't have said it better myself. With that, and nor will you get a chance uh, to. I'm James Hatton. Wow. <laughs> all right. I'm Podcast Rob. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the corn later. Previously on Stories to Amaze. Okay. When um, things need to happen, you nudge fate. That's a very primitive and sloppy way of putting it. He sure didn't look like he knew you were going to have him tased. I truly think you're onto something. Wait, really? You have have no no idea. idea. The Something Something cast presents D.E.M. Chapter 4. Go something like this. This is a song that annoys everybody. Oh. You again. Lovely. Yeah, whatever. Not thrilled about seeing you either, Sunshine. Okay, then why the hell are you here? You want to discuss motivations, or you want to get the fuck out of here? Strong argument. There. Come on, let's go. What? wait. 
where exactly are we going? Is not here an acceptable enough answer? Yeah, I mean, in the bigger picture. Christ, man, why am I not surprised that you're going to argue about escaping? No, 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 no argument here. Lead the way. (sighs) Left or right? Hmm? But you're asking me? What, you're the one who knows why things need to happen? (sighs) Dude, it's a show from years ago. But left it is. Two doors. Uh, We went left last time. So, right? On three. One, two. (laughs) Fuck, what the? Get the fuck off! Shit, not again. That probably didn't go as planned. I said that probably didn't go as planned. Oh, shit. You could say that again. Wait. You just did, right? Please say you just did. Yes, don't worry. You're not hearing voices voices in in your your head. head. Unless you are. That was fucked up. Yes, I can see how you'd think so. Actually, no, I... I don't think I can. Yeah. Wait, What? what's going on? You tell us, dude. I, I don't understand. And you think we do? Yeah, man. I mean, I get meta, but this... W- what? Seriously? This would give Primer a headache. I see. So, show of hands, be honest, who doesn't understand what's going on? Really? No one? Okay, so let me kind of sum up what I'm thinking here, okay? So, DEM, they kind of exist like like the back office in Cabin in the Woods, okay? Uh, but they're in a separate pocket dimension. All of the movies and all of the TV shows that are ever shown, sure, they're, I mean, shows and movies when they're filmed, but when they're aired, they... They kind of create their uh, their own parallel reality. So, Lost really exists out there somewhere. In its own reality? Yes! Yeah, you do get it! I really don't. So, what does DEM do then? Well, the shows and movies take on their own reality, sure, but it's a, it's a real-time reality. So, like, let's take Lost, since we're talking about it. Of course. So, at the beginning of any episode, the people in the episode don't know how things are going to go. For them, it's real time. So, so sometimes they don't always make the decisions they need to, to get further in the story. So, we nudge them. Huh? You get it now? It's kind of like the feeling of having scalding hot coffee dumped on my crotch, only with a longer build-up and less coffee. (sighs) I see. It's ambitious, I'll say that. (laughs) Oh, I'll say something else. Oh? Oh, What the hell was that for? How about for all the times I catch shit when you're writing the script? But I am writing this! Are you? Yes! I am! I mean, what, what are what are you talking about? 
You said it yourself. These things take on their own reality when they're aired. Oh, shit. You mean... Always punching me, hmm? Didn't he have you tased? Good point. He did. A few times. Yep, I'd say so. Oh, look! My taser fell by your feet, James. Come on, man! It's a... <sighs> Are we done now? Well, are we? Are we done now? Yeah, yeah sure. Seems good. Yeah, nice yeah. place to pause. Yeah, that sounds good. Pause. Yeah, I agree. Seems good. Yeah, for now. Then I guess... Join us next time on Stories, Stories to Amaze!